Awesome, man. What a great crowd. What a great crowd. A lot of beautiful faces there, beautiful people. Stephanie, you're not first through fifth grade. Where are you going? You're fifth grade. All right, all right. Just making sure. Awesome. Well, welcome. So excited you're here this morning. My name is Pastor Brady Testorf. Great to have you. If you're a guest or a visitor, thank you for being here. Wanted to let you know if after the service, if you say, I have uh, some questions, I want to know more, um, and if you want uh, something, a free gift that we have for you, we would love for you to meet Justin. Where are you at, Justin? Raise your hand. Where's he at? Uh, he just stepped out. There he is, right there. Woohoo! <laughs> Made his appearance. Um, the welcome table, we actually moved it back over to the other place, Justin. So the welcome table is out to your left all the way to the end of the hallway just so that you can have some conversation and, and find out more about the church. Love for you to see him afterwards. If you came prepared today to give an offering, we would uh, love for you to, to be a part of that. And you can do that as you leave. There's baskets as you walk out the door. Drop, it in the off, uh, drop the offering in your basket there. We have envelopes that have been provided for you to help you with that. Our bulletins are special because they have a tear-off piece, and we encourage everyone to tear that piece off and to fill that out. And if you have a prayer request, which, by the way, is what it's all about today. We're talking about prayer and the power of prayer. So we will be praying for these requests. Uh, fill those out. If you have something exciting that's, uh, that's happened in your life, please let us know that as well so we can rejoice with you. And those also go in the basket. And we, we do this on purpose so that every single person that walks out they feel like they can drop something in the basket because if you're like, well, I didn't bring any cash today. I didn't come prepared to give. We don't want you to feel like, well, I walk by the basket and they look at me like, hey, where are you going? You know, you can always drop something in the basket as you walk by. Look in that bulletin because there's great information about stuff that's going on, especially as we look forward to these gatherings that we're going to do each week after the Sunday service. This past Friday night, we gathered at the YMCA Back where it all started, where our church started, we went through the whole book of Colossians. It was a great time. And this Friday night, Gary and Terry, where are you at? They're right here. Gary and Terry are going to open up their home. They have a beautiful home. God's blessed them with. They're going to open it up, and we're going to gather in their home, and we're going to pray. And we're going to pr I pray that, they're, that the place is packed, and we have people just gathered around, sitting with each other, praying and encouraging one another. And so I want to... to if you have that available on your calendar, 6.30 on Friday night, um, the address is in the bulletin, and you can go there. It's actually, uh, if you go on our webpage and look at the event space, all of the events that we'll be doing each week are on there, so just go and look, and you can tell where to go and when. And so come and pray with us. That would be, that would be awesome. If you're a man, and you, man, you're going to have to be a real man tonight to be out in the cold by a fire with some other men. <clears throat> you just got to, ooh, you got to feel it. Oh, yeah, yeah, can we see it? We hear it right now, all right? So wear several layers, <laughs> non-flammable, preferably, all right? Because we're going to do fireside chat tonight, 6.30 at Fred's house. And, uh, yeah, it'll be cold, but we'll warm each other up just with God's presence. And so please come, if you can, to be a part of that tonight. So today, today we continue... We continue on our journey, the journey through the spiritual disciplines or what we call the habits or holy habits uh, that God has for us. And we've already talked about two. We've talked about worship and Bible study. And then today we're going to talk about prayer, which, by the way, they are the foundational disciplines for a follower of Jesus, for the Christian life, worship, Bible study, and prayer. 
the author of the book, his name is Philip Nation. I'll quote some of the stuff that he writes in this book. And if you haven't got it yet, don't, you know, it's a easy and it's a quick read. Uh, jump in, you can still get it on, you can get it on Amazon, go to the bookstore, Lifeway, hopefully they still have copies of this. And uh, pick one up, Habits for Our Holiness. And he says, we worship in order to communicate the worthiness of God. And we proclaim the greatness of the one true God. That's why we worship. And as we study the word, we learn from God about who he is, who we are, and how he is reconciling all things to himself. Then we come to prayer and we move to a specifically intimate interaction with God. So let us consider prayer as the great conversation. The great conversation. There's a man named Ian Bounds, and he, he, this is a quote, I don't know if it's exactly like this, but I know uh, Rusty Savage at the Baptist Church where I spent a lot of time there as a youth pastor for years, and he had always used this phrase when he talks about prayer. It says, you can do much more than pray after you've prayed. Okay, You can do much more than pray after you've prayed, but you can do no more than pray until you've prayed. Okay, Try to wrap your mind around that. You can't really do anything else until you've prayed. But once you've prayed, then there's so much more that you can accomplish. And I think that's so true. In the early church, the, the early believers, they, they devoted themselves, it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, 42 through 47, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to each other, which is why we do these gatherings each week, We're devoting ourselves to one another. And it says they devoted themselves to prayer. Colossians 4.2, we studied the other night. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. There's, there's always a sense of coming to God with a grateful heart. One of the things that will kill your prayer life more than anything else is bitterness and ungrateful heart. If you're just bitter and angry and frustrated and you're not thankful for what God has done for you in your life, I mean, just the fact that we live in America and we can gather today right here in this place, we're not worried about anybody coming in telling us that we've got to go. You know, we can be grateful for that. And we come with the spirit of thanksgiving. In 1990, the great theologian M.C. Hammer wrote these words. We pray. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we pray. <laughs> We've got to pray just to make it today. Amen. Let's go eat lunch. <laughs> You're like, that's the best sermon ever because it ended quickly. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, there's more. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? We got to pray today just to make it. Just to make it through. Um, all the time I hear people say, and you've heard me say this again and again, God, whoa, God will never give us more than we can handle. Baloney. There's lots of stuff in life that we can't handle. My brother, my brother Richard. Not Richard, right? Am I, getting your, am I, missing, am I missing your name up? <laughs> yeah. Floyd. I don't know why I was thinking Richard. Because I, well, I know why. There's a man named Richard that lost his wife a couple months before he did. Floyd lost his wife. That's more than you can handle on your own. You can't do it alone. You need, you need a, a vertical connect, connection, and you need a horizontal one too. So we need each other. 
So we're going to talk about three elements of prayer. We're going to walk through three elements of prayer. Confession, intercession, and petition. Okay? And here's how we're going to, here's how we're going to do it. There's a posture there's a posture of prayer that I want you to, to think about. When it comes to confession, it's hands up. It's almost like I surrender. <laughs> I, I'm guilty. I've been caught. It's hands up. Intercession is hands out to those around us. And petition or hands open to receive what it is that God wants to give us. So, hands up, hands out, hands open is the posture of prayer. The first one is confession. And confession is more than just admitting that we've sinned, which is, that's what it is. I mean, we've got to come to that place where we can, we can confess. But it's an admission that we need a Savior. Confession leads us to salvation. The first and most powerful prayer anybody could ever pray is, God, please save me. Amen. That's it. It's the most powerful prayer. And if that's all you can get out of your mouth, that's enough. Please save me. In Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, it says you'll be saved. And that is the greatest conversation you can have with God. Foundational, fundamental, greatest conversation. And every single human being that's walked on the face of the earth at some level and in some way needs to have that interaction and that prayer with God, that great conversation with God. Turn in your Bible, if you have one, to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And so this is a great, it's a great confession and a great conversation that David has with God. King David, one of the, the most righteous men, one of the holiest men to, to, to ever walk the face of the earth and, and, and committed a very, very um, devastating sin. More than one, really. He committed adultery and then he had his... His, uh, the wife of the man that he committed adultery against had him killed. And this is David's prayer. Can you, can you just picture David's posture? In Psalm 51, he says, Be gracious to me, God. According to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Now listen, this is a prayer for all people, all places, all time, all ages. If you can understand my voice right now, this is a prayer for you. All of us can pray this prayer. Even sweet little Lauren, who I think is one of like the neatest people in all the earth, can pray this prayer before a holy God. Before a holy, she's got big brothers. I'm sure she's wanted to hurt them many times, all right? So she can pray this prayer. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Ouch. We're, we're aware of our sin. We know. Nobody has to tell us. Sometimes people do. And sometimes we need maybe a little, 
nudge, but we are, we are fully aware. And then he says, against you and you alone I have sinned. And I've done what is evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. When you cast judgment, God, it, you're right. I'm wrong. And you're blameless when you judge. Indeed, he says, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. You teach me with wisdom deep within. And then David says, purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So earlier this morning, sweet little Carly uh, has a white, beautiful white shirt on and she spilled some chocolate, hot chocolate on her shirt. You know, and she's like, oh no, what, what, can, can, you, can, can you get this out? And her mom was like, well, we're going to have to take it home and wash it. And I said, well, let's go get some hand sanitizer and at least blot it on there. Maybe it'll help me like a stained fighter or whatever. And I'm just thinking, that's in, in some crazy way, I'm thinking, that's what the blood of Jesus does for my sin. But in a much more powerful way than that. I mean, it's, it's a different application, right? It is like him literally taking my sin off of me and placing it upon himself and taking that to the cross. Listen, I think sometimes we forget about that transaction way too often. We forget what it was he's done. We forget it. We, we, we somehow miss and we, we, don't, we don't let that have a full, uh, the full impact on us what it was Jesus has done in order for us to, to even be able to come before the Father with our hands raised to confess. Jesus has paved the way for us to come. He who knew no sin, it says in Scripture, became sin on our behalf, on little Lauren's behalf. I won't call you little Lauren for the rest of your life, I promise but you'll always be smaller than me, so maybe I will. I don't know. <laughs> he became sin. The ugliness of it all. Your sin, my sin. So that we might become the righteousness of God. And I don't know that we fully comprehend either the, the, the power of that and how he cast our sin away from us and he forgets it. And he wants us to see ourselves differently and walk in a different light. I, I, I just, I mean, David did. David had to go through a difficult, difficult time. And then he goes on to say, he says, like, restore the joy of my salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. And he says, then I will teach your, the, re, the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. God, clean me up so that I can go tell other people where they can go to get cleaned up. It's such a powerful, powerful truth. And that is the power of confession. And in 1 John 1, um, 9, verse 9 and 10, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous 
to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. None of us can say, well, I, I, you might have sinned, Brady, but not me. Well, I wouldn't have sinned if it wasn't his or her fault. Like, she caused me to do this. It was these things that happened in my life that justified my sin. No, you cannot do that before the Lord. You cannot. Because he is righteous and he is holy. And he's right when he judges. Scripture says that. So confession must happen vertically before the Lord. And confession must happen horizontally before one another. You've got to find somebody in your life that you can just come clean to. Just let it out. And that knowing that they will love you in return and they won't judge you, they will counsel you, maybe correct you, and maybe help you, but you've got to find somebody that you can do that with. If you don't have that person, seek them out. Will you be that person for me? Spouses, man, I wish sometimes we could be that for one another, but that's hard. <laughs> So guys, we have to kind of find maybe another guy. Women find another woman. You know, you can go and talk about your husband, you know, in a nice, you know, like not in a condemning way, but just say, hey, like he's really frustrating me right now. What should I do? You know, we need that one another with one another. All right, so let's get to intercession. Hands out. Intercession is bringing someone to Jesus on our knees. It's praying for someone else, bringing them to Jesus on our knees as we pray for them. So I, I, I googled, I said, what's the first recorded prayer in the Bible? First recorded prayer. Now, you get different results depending on who's writing the article or whatever. Some would say that it was Adam and Eve in the garden when they had great conversations with God. They, had, they, had a, they were speaking and they were listening. God was speaking to them. Can you imagine the intimacy that they had with God? They didn't have to get on their knees and close their eyes and put their hands like this. They just had to open their eyes and he was there. And they had great conversations with him. They had some hard conversations with him as well after they had uh, failed and after they had hidden from him and after he told them that they were going to have to leave the garden. And that changed our prayer life forever that day. And we've been praying differently since that day. But the first one that I see that was recorded was when Abraham, Abraham cried out to the Lord on behalf of the people of Sodom. And he was like, God, if there's 50 righteous people, would you spare the city? Would you spare it just for the 50? And then he cried out some more and more and finally got down, if there's just 10. <laughs> and he kept interceding for the people, crying out on their behalf. And God listened to his prayer. Later on in that story, Abraham, uh, Abraham actually kind of gets himself in trouble. He lies to um, a guy named Abimelech about his wife. He says that his wife was his sister, not his wife. And Abraham did it really just for self-preservation, but it was really kind of throwing his wife under the bus. And then the king realized that Abraham had lied to him. He said, why did you lie to me? You're like, you brought a curse upon us. Because you weren't true. This is your wife and you're a man of God. And Abraham, it says in Genesis chapter 20, Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. Because part of the punishment was is that they weren't able to have children. And Abraham cried out to God on their behalf, intercession, bringing them to Jesus on his knees. 
For the Lord had closed fast all of the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And Abraham prayed. Powerful prayer. Do you know that Jesus prayed? Do you know Jesus prayed for others while he was on earth? Hebrews 5, chapter, or verse 7 says, During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Jesus prayed. John 17 is a great place to look and see what Jesus prayed about as he was getting ready to leave the earth and he was preparing his uh, followers for that day and he prayed for them. Listen to one of the things that he prayed. And he prayed this for you and me. I have made, he's, now Jesus is praying this to, to the Father. He says, I have made your name known to them and I will continue to make it known. And that's true. That's what Jesus still does to this day. He makes the, the name of the Father known so that the love that you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. So Jesus is praying that the love of God may be, the same love that the Father and the Son have together, may be in us. And he says, and I may be in them. So when you hear someone say, have you asked Christ to come and live inside of you? Have you received Christ in faith? Have you asked him to come and live in you? You're like, well, where does that come from? Jesus prayed that it would be so. That he would come and live in you. And take up residence in you so that you can um, confess, so that you can intercess for other people. That's what he's done for us. You know, Jesus still prays for us today. He's praying for us right now. In Romans 8, 34, it says, he, Who is the one who condemns? Question mark. Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised he, he also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Can you believe that? Jesus is in heaven, hands out. He doesn't need to confess, <laughs> you know, but he is interceding for us and praying for you and me. Do you believe that Jesus wants you to walk in obedience with him? Do you think he wants you to experience joy and freedom in life? Do you think Jesus wants that for you? I promise you he does. I'm a parent. There's so much I want for my kids. I want so much more for them than I ever had when I was young. And I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about freedom in Christ and purpose and meaning and a life that matters and getting that before it's too, you're too old and too late. That's what I want for my kids. And we intercede for them and we pray for them. I believe that we are called to pray for others. I believe that's true. And I want you to consider this. Pray for others as passionately and relentlessly as you would have them pray for you. I mean, think about that. If you want them, if you want someone to pray for you, how do you want them to pray for you? Oh, God, please help Steve. He's got some cool kids. Precious little Lauren. <laughs> and bless him, amen. That's it? That's all you got? <laughs> And you're like, man, I hope somebody prays for me. Like, I hope people wear their knees and their pants out for me. You know, because I need it. <laughs> and we want to pray passionately. And here's, here's just a common, common thing. Pray right when someone asks you to pray. Okay? Don't say, well, hey, I'll be praying for you, brother. 
sister, whatever, if you have the opportunity, pray for them right then. You know why? Because you might not have a later. You just might not. I mean, reality is you might not get to see them again. Or you might, what happens is, is I'll be praying for you, and you walk away, and then you forget. Unless you put it in your notes or (laughs) reminder or whatever. Pray for them right then. And I know that's intimidating. There are people that are, have been walking with us the, the whole time we've been a church, and just now they're getting bold enough to pray for people out loud in public. Brady, you won't believe this. It was the most incredible thing. Like the person asked me to pray, and I'm thinking, should I pray right now? And I did, and it was like God gave me words I didn't even know to say, and it was like, like God was using me. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what he was doing. You are being Jesus to that person because Jesus is in you, right? And we all have the capacity to do that, every single one of us. Don't just leave it up to the two Bradys and a Jimmy and a Stephanie and a Trip. It goes on. We all have the capacity, wherever it is God places us. We were, uh, Tony and I were eating lunch the other day. And Tony knows this. I'm not, I'm not obnoxious, am I? I mean, I, and I don't do this every time. But, well, Tony's like, well, you're kind of obnoxious. I mean, in, in a Jesus kind of way. Yeah, like, like I don't want to be one of those weird obnoxious Christians, you know, like walking in like, hey, I'm going to find somebody. <laughs> Come here. You know? But so we were, we were talking, and I just felt like, I just felt led. This woman, I said, hey, we're going to bless our food. Is there any way we can pray for you? She was quick. I'm behind on my bills. Here she is working the lunch shift, probably hoping she'll make enough tips to cover a bill, whatever it is. And so I asked for Tony's credit card, and I just wrote a huge tip. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. That was awesome. And I said, I said, oh, well, can we just pray right now? And she said, Yes. And so we took her hand and we prayed for her. Then took a little extra time. Maybe get outside your comfort zone just a little bit to do that. 99 times out of 100, the person responds favorably. 99 out of 100. You're like, dude, what about the one? (laughs) Pray for them anyway after they walk away. If you don't know what to pray, pray Scripture. Back to the Bible study last week. If you don't know what to pray, pray the Bible. Pray Scripture. Because it's powerful. It's God's Word. It's more powerful than my words. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes right where you're at. And why do we do that? I don't know. Because it's just a habit, I guess. Just so that you like, maybe can focus in. And I want to pray this prayer over you. And it comes from... The book we studied on Friday comes from Colossians. Here's a prayer for you. Paul was praying this prayer for the church, and we are the church, and so I believe through me, God's going to allow me to pray this for you. So receive this. This is for you. No matter who you are, where you've been, where you're going, this is for you. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, This gospel Paul's talking about, we haven't stopped praying for you. So here's what he's praying. 
Father, we are asking that you may be filled, that these people may be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that they may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing you. I pray that our, these people that are here today will bear fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of you. May they be strengthened with all power. Anybody need strength today? Put your hand in the air. So you know, I need some strength today. I need to be strengthened with all power. So God, I pray that you would strengthen them according to your glorious might. I pray that they will have great endurance and patience. We all need great endurance and patience, Father. Give it to them. Joyfully, we give thanks to you because you have enabled us to share with the saints in this incredible inheritance in the light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a minute, I'll explain why do we pray in Jesus' name. Why do we say that phrase? Where does that come from? It's a funny little story. Eliza was just a little girl, and one day she honestly asked, Hey, is Jesus' name Amen? I'm like, No, his name is Jesus. Why would you think his name is Amen? Well, because we always pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Honest question. Honest question. And I'll, we'll walk through that here in just a minute. All right, so we've confessed, we've intercessed, and now we're going to be looking to possess <laughs> what it is God wants for us. And so we petition the Lord. Do you know God wants to hear from you what it is that you need? He does. He wants you to talk to him. Crazy thing is, he knows what you need before he asks, but he still wants you to ask him like a good, good father. Now, side note, if you haven't had a good, good father on earth, don't confuse the heavenly father with the earthly father. Because men are flesh, and most of the time, selfish flesh. But God is not a selfish God. He's a jealous God, jealous, and ze jealous for our affections and our, and our attention and our love for him. And, and he gives us good things. So here's, here's what the author of this book, he said, Worship is when we talk to God about God. Intercession is when we talk to God about others. Petition is when we talk to God about ourselves. He goes on to say, we don't come to God with a demand like he's some kind of open treasure chest from heaven, like a vending machine. Rather, we come before him with an open heart to receive the good gifts that he's chosen for us. We come with an open heart saying, God, I'm willing to, to just receive whatever it is that you have for me because I promise what he has for you is better. It's just better. God is more convenient than a vending machine ever will be. <laughs> And the things that he has for us, the concern he has for our needs will satisfy you more so than anything you could ever purchase. 
anything. Do you know, do you know that God is concerned about our daily, our daily needs? You know, we pray it every single Sunday morning. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you know God is concerned what you need today? And every single one of you have a different list of needs. Now, there are some common denominators, air, <laughs> food, for the most part, Starbucks. Okay, that's really not on the need list, but, you know, it's on the want list. Do you know God is concerned about the things that you lose? So listen, the other day, <laughs> I'm on, on the phone with our, my friend Ryan Campbell. I don't know if Ryan's here or not. Ryan um, had misplaced his truck keys. He's going on like day three <laughs> of not being able to find his truck keys. Okay? And so he's got four kids, a busy life, and his truck's parked in his driveway. He can't find the keys. And he's like, Brady, it's so frustrating and whatever. And I'm not, I'm not like this, some super theologian with a direct link to God, but I thought to myself, Ryan, I want you to put your computer down and I want you to pray and ask God to help you find your keys. Do it right now. Let me know how it goes. So I hung up. 30 minutes later, I get a picture on my text message from Ryan and the picture is a set of keys sitting on the battery of his truck. <laughs> before, before you shake your head like, oh my, I can't believe that. We've all done something like that. Something similar, right? He had, he had gone out to get the mail and he was praying, okay, Lord, I'm just going to take Brady's word. I'm just going to pray. God, help me retrace my steps, whatever it is. He went out to get the mail and then all of a sudden, ding. That moment, <laughs> I was checking my battery the other day. What if, and he opens up the hood of his truck, and there's his keys. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> I think God is concerned. Even about, well, we'd say little things, but that was a big thing because it was causing, it was causing some stress and frustration and it was causing him not to be able to to really it takes us out of our game it takes us away from focusing and praying for others and and keeping our relationship with God holy and, and right where it needs to be and it just messes us up and he petitioned God for this basic need and my one of my favorite passages of scripture in Philippians chapter 4 where it says uh, verse 6 and 7 says do not worry about anything but in everything through what prayer and petition with thanksgiving, there it is again, present your request to God. Come to him, say, God, this is what I need. And then it says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your emotions <laughs> and it'll guard your mind, your thoughts. Because I'm petitioning God for my, these things that I need. And I think it's important that we learn to wait before the Lord. One thing about prayer is a lot of times it's us talking, but it's not enough of us listening. We need to learn to wait before the Lord. As we watch, 
we pray, the author used this quote, he says, as we watch, we pray. As we pray, we wait. And we just wait. It's hard to wait, isn't it? We don't, we're not good at it anymore. I hate it when that little thing spins on my phone. When I'm waiting for something, a message or something, like it's spinning. Oh my gosh, I have to wait. I don't know if I can do it. Oh, ah. We do that all. We have to, God needs to teach us to be more patient and wait for him. Psalm 5, first three verses. He says, listen to my words, Lord. Consider my plea or my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. I didn't bring him with me, uh, but the other morning I got up early, and I took blue cards and I took red cards, and in the blue cards, I wrote down every significant um, male in my family from my, uh, like my stepdad, my oldest brother, my younger brother, uncles, nephews, men who helped lead the church. And I wrote their name down. And then I wrote like words, things that I can pray for them each individually or just as a group, whatever. And then I did the same thing with the women. You're at the top, sweetheart, of my list. And then the, the image that I get when I come before the Lord in the morning and I lay those before the Lord and I just say, God, hear my cry for them. Now, if I have per, you know, specific things that I know that's going on with Tony or with Jimmy or um, other people that I'm in, in close contact with, then I'll pray that specific thing. But otherwise, I'm like, I don't even, I don't really know what else to pray, but God, you know what I need to pray. The Bible even says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, even when we just don't know what else to say. God knows. He knows our hearts. I think he, he takes the intentions of our heart and he translates it into the ears of the Father and to himself. I think he knows that. Some of you have a disciplined prayer life. Some of you, you're more like me and you're kind of ADHD and you're just all over the place. It's okay. <laughs> whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. All right, we're almost done. In John chapter 14, Jesus, once again, even before he prayed in John 17, he's talking to his followers and he said, he says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Don't misapply this verse and think that God is, once again, a vending machine and you can get whatever you want from him because we know it's not true. He said, the, the guy that was writing this article, he said, some misapply this verse thinking that saying in Jesus' name at the end of a prayer results in um, some kind of magical formula that's absolutely unbiblical. 
It's not true. Praying in Jesus' name means praying with his authority and asking God the Father to act upon our prayers because we come in the name of his Son. Jesus is the great mediator between God and man. So when we pray in Jesus' name, it means, um, it means the same thing as praying in the will of God, praying for the will of God to come. We, once again, we pray it every Sunday morning. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're wanting to line up with what God's will is. And it's hard to sometimes understand what that is, especially when, when we pray for things and it just doesn't happen. We prayed for, for Floyd's wife. We prayed for her to be healed. And ultimately, she's been healed more than any of us have been <laughs> because she's free of sickness and free of disease and free of suffering. But trying to line ourselves up with that, sometimes it's really hard. 1 John 5 says, This is the confidence that we have in, impro- in approaching God, that we ma- may ask anything according to his will, and he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we've asked of him. Because we come, we come in um, the right spirit. We come in, in such a way that we want to bring honor and, and glory to God. Not just to, to relieve our own suffering and not just to get what we want out of it. We're like, basically it comes down to, God, you know my heart, you know what I need, and, I, and I, I'm just laying it before you, and I wait. <laughs> in expectation. And so... The worship team's going to come, and we're going to do a, uh, an oldie but a goodie. An oldie but a goodie. And when we do that, we are going to give you the opportunity to gather to pray. Maybe you need to come and confess. Maybe you need to come and pray for someone else. Or you need to come and petition God for something that you need in your life right now. Okay, that's that's what this time is for. I want you to um, I want you to, to consider Friday night at six thirty at the Durant's house. It's a beautiful setting, it's a beautiful spirit in their home, and we're just going to pray for one another. It'll be more intimate and more serious. I know sometimes it's scary to come in front of other people, but just but come if you want to and pray, and then. Here's, here's a good way for you to come forward and it just kind of feels nat- more natural. These, these books are called Seek God for the City. They actually flow with the, uh, the Lent season that starts on Valentine's Day. You know, that's kind of torture, right? If you're giving up chocolate for Lent or whatever, you know, that's, that's not good. Um, but it's a 40-day prayer guide. And so it's a daily, it's a daily prayer um, personal reflection. It's a, day, it's a prayer for the nations. It's a prayer for our world. Like the first page, uh, first day says, we're seeking revival for God's people. And so this is a prayer guide that you can have. I think there's a 50 of them total, 25 on each side maybe. Just come and grab one of these. If you say, hey, this would be a good tool for me to pray. And, and it's so cool how it starts in the middle of this week. And we just got through talking about prayer. So grab those until they're gone. We can always get more. Um, come and pray. Brady will be up here. And so whatever, whatever God has put on your heart.
Let's pray.